All right, everyone. Welcome into Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050 on this Friday morning. It's Julie Tasheri and Mike DiStefano with you. We're going to have Chris Johnston join us in the next five minutes. The Leafs host the Sens tonight at home. They're going to be wearing the Justin Bieber jerseys, which makes the news that we have for you all the more tragic when it's already upsetting news. Do we need a breaking news sting here? Do we need sirens? Like what? What? What'll set the mood right for uh, for this news? Probably sirens. I think sirens would have been appropriate, but I don't know if we have sirens. So I guess a breaking news sting might suffice. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Morning skate was underway today, and every single Leafs reporter that's on the beat, all 375 of them, simultaneously tweeted, "Austin Matthews not on the ice for morning skate," which raised flags. And then, simultaneously, almost, a tweet came out from Leafs PR saying Austin Matthews will be out for a minimum of three weeks with a sprained knee suffered in that game versus the New York Rangers on uh, what was it Tuesday night. So Austin Matthews out for a minimum three weeks. And our TSN Hockey Insider, Darren Drager, pointed out on Twitter that, that the word minimum was probably the most concerning part of that that release. Yeah, because, I mean, minimum, so at least three weeks. And, and who knows what that could mean, you know? The, the timeline could be a little bit longer than that. But I, I guess there's not a lot of games coming up over the next three weeks, if you want to look at it. Not, hey, I guess, as true. a positive, but, you know, like there's the All-Star break, which he's no longer going to go and participate in. We'll get to that in just a moment. But you got the bye week, so there's only six games in this three-week span. Um, but, again, minimum. So how much more past that could it be? I think T.J. Brody was like, there was a two-week timeline on him. He's now been out for almost three weeks. So it's like, right. well, what are, what are these timelines at right now? It seems like maybe they're being a little bit extra cautious with the players, which... I mean, I guess is, is is a good thing that they have the affordability to be that. Um, it's a little bit of a softer schedule, too, like Ottawa, Washington, Boston, obviously. That's a big game. That's a tough one to not have Austin for. They got a couple against Columbus and one against Chicago, and then that three-week timeline hits uh, right after that Chicago game. Five of the six games are at home ice. So, um, you know, the schedule, I guess, makes it look like it might be something they could deal with. But this is still a big, big hit. I mean, we saw what it looked like last time he was out of a game for the Maple Leafs against Detroit. Didn't look great. Wasn't a great game at all. And, I mean, you even said it yourself. This team just doesn't look as dynamic when Austin Matthews isn't in the lineup. Oh, remember how tragic those couple games were over that weekend? With, yeah. They had Detroit, I know, and I forget the other team that, that he missed with. But I own oh, Detroit and Nashville, and the games were, were lacking something in a massive way without Austin Matthews and his magic on the ice. But So if, if everything goes according to schedule here, and there's nothing to say that it will, because I guess we can't have it both ways, A.B. You and I saw how he came back with Pop after those couple of games off, and and just a time to rest. So I, I suppose we can't. We want them to be really healthy going into the postseason, and and we've said time and time again on this show, um, they've got Tampa in the first round. They know what's to come. It's important to be healthy. They're challenging themselves every day. But anyways, if it uh, if everything goes according to schedule, he should be back on February seventeenth. Is is three weeks weeks from now, and that yeah. would mean he only actually misses six games because of the bye week and the All-Star break. Sheldon Keefe was asked about the injury this morning by a swarm of, of concerned media, and this is what he had to say. Can you tell us about Austin? Well, I think the release has been put out there, so I got nothing else for you. What, you got a question? Or? 
What, what happened? What happened? Some shoulders or something in the third or during that? Yeah, it just I'm not, I'm not to be honest, I'm not certain what specifically, you know, whether there was one specific incident or anything like that. I noticed him in a little discomfort a couple times through the game, but didn't didn't think much of it at the time. But he, you know, was still sore the next day, so they brought him for an MRI, and uh, there's an injury there, so take some time. Is that something related to the previous issue that came out a couple of games? Not at all, no. So that was my at the start there. Oh, he was for sure a little crusty. <laughs> Not overly fun when you find out your your best player is going to be out for three yeah. weeks. So I understand the sass Sheldon. I'm a fan of sassy Sheldon moments. I think it makes for great content. <laughs> but that was what I was most curious about the moment that we saw this release. Like, is it related to this nagging injury we've heard about all season? And yeah. as for Sheldon Keefe, who will believe for today, uh, apparently it's not. <laughs> Yeah, which which I guess, you know, I don't know if you want to look at that as a positive or a negative. I mean, either way, the guy's no going to be out for a little bit. But, um, yeah, because, you know, the, the games he missed a couple weeks ago, it was undisclosed what the injury was. Just something that had been nagging him for a while. There was speculation could be an oblique. But I, I, I don't remember it being any indication that there was a knee injury there. So I, I, I would tend to believe Sheldon if he says that it's a completely new thing. I, I don't recall, like, it happening. He didn't. Look to me in that game no. against New York as if his play dropped off at all. If anything, like he got better as the third period went on. Like I, it is a little bit uh, odd to to see this news. I suppose it wasn't something that I was anticipating or expecting, right? Like it's just something that I guess you know he felt uh, he felt it on what was it through the game. I think Mitch Marner came out and said, "Yeah, we knew." You know, he was dealing with something through the game, but he battled through it and then went and got an MRI yesterday. And turns out uh, there's, there's an issue with the knee. So they're going to give him three weeks, get it uh, sorted out and ready to go for the final stretch uh, until it's go time. So Austin Matthews out tonight. Uh, the Leafs have the sense tonight at home. Matt Murray will get the start. We'll get into that more. But it's the perfect day to have we hope. our we hope. TSN. Oh, is CJ there? Sorry, I thought that he was. No, he is. I'm just saying, oh, we great. hope Murray. We thought Murray was going to start the last time that <laughs> Ottawa was in I town. I thought you meant you we hope we happened. have Chris Johnson. We do have Chris Johnson, our TSN hockey insider on the line right now. CJ, how's it going this morning? I'd imagine things are buzzing. Yeah, it was a bit of an eventful morning down here at the skate, but uh, nowhere I'd rather be than with you guys for lunch on a Friday. Aw, we feel the same way, and not just because you have the inside intel uh, maybe on, on what's going on with Austin Matthews. Walk us through uh, last night, this morning, and what Sheldon Keefe has had to say, and, and just uh, what you've taken away from, from this news that we've gotten, that Austin Matthews will miss the next three weeks with a knee sprain. Yeah, it was described to me as a fluky play in Wednesday's game where he got injured, which I think... You know, maybe why there, there weren't more alarm bells sooner because, you know, obviously it wasn't as though he took a, a massive hit that we all saw. I mean, he was, he was on the ice to celebrate after uh, Marner's overtime winning goal. And, and, you know, it was only last night that, that Darren Dreger and I kind of caught wind that something might be up. But, um, you know, confirmed this morning, of course, that uh guy's got, got an e-issue. Um, you know, I, I think that there, there's a couple things here for me. I mean, it, it could be a little bit of a blessing in disguise given where we're at in the schedule with, you know, the Leafs, Due to, to have a pretty lengthy break for the All-Star weekend and then their bye week. Um, and, you know, given some of the things that Austin Matthews already dealt with this season, you know, this is not a, this is a new issue, a new injury. It's not related to, you know, some of the things that have kept him out of a couple games earlier in the year, but it does obviously offer a pretty extensive window here for him to rehab and, 
and rest up and, and, you know, get back in the lineup. And ultimately he might miss something like five or six or seven games, depending on how he reacts to that rehab. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the schedule here. And, and that three-week timeline, they've got six games, five of which at home, uh, and five of which against non, uh, four of which against non-playoff teams. So the schedule is a little soft right now. So yes, it's a decent timeline, but that's only if he misses the three weeks. And the term minimum was used there. Is that at all concerning that this could be a little bit longer than three weeks? It, as it was described to me, is this is a minor thing. So you know, I I don't expect this to turn you know minimum three weeks to turn into six weeks or anything like that. I mean, I, mm. I suppose nobody's got a crystal ball in terms of. You know how Austin will react to treatment, and and you know where he'll be at conditioning-wise when he's you know able to skate again, and all those types of things. But you know, I, I don't, I don't sense that there's a lot of alarm here, other than the fact you know we're talking about uh, you know a significant player from the Leafs lineup that's that's going to be unavailable for the next little stretch. Um, but you know, I, I don't see any huge reason for concern. And let's face it, I mean, this is not a season the way it's gone for Austin Matthews where. You know, we're, we're charting, um, you know, individual trophies or anything like that. I mean, I think everyone knows that this is all about, um, you know, getting getting the job done in the playoffs. And so perhaps a little rest won't be the worst thing. You know, Gabriel Landeskog, for example, missed, a, missed this big stretch of time last season for the Colorado Avalanche, but was fresh in the playoffs. And, you know, they, they got over the hump. And so I, I think that um, well, you don't want anyone to miss games, you know, in this case, because it, it doesn't sound like it's serious. Uh, this this could end up being one of those those – one of the things that, that maybe we look back on is, is a positive in the season that he got this rest now. Well, it's interesting, though, because you take a look at what the lineup, the projected lineup's going to be tonight. Tavares says 1C. Pontus Holmberg sliding in at, at 2C. Like, when you take one of those two guys out of the lineup, it, it, it does look a lot more thin down the middle. We've been talking a lot about how the Leafs should go out and, and acquire a top six winger to round out this team. But, I mean, when you look at it, maybe a centerman, could that be in the cards at the deadline to build a little bit more depth down the middle? Yeah, I think you go and get the best forward you can, whether he is a, a winger or center. I don't, I don't know that you have to be positionally locked in. You know, we're, we're talking about the reigning Hart Trophy winner, so no team is going to look good when you lose a player of that caliber with just the nature of the cap. Uh, that, you know, he's he's kind of one one of his own. Uh, that there's not there's not a pure replacement out there. But I think you know whether this injury had happened or not, you know, there was going to be focus for the Leafs in trying to you know, get another player that can play somewhere near the top of their forward group. Um, you know, it remains to be seen if they can get that done. I think they'd look for an improvement on the blue line as well, and they're dealing with, a, you know, a pretty small sliver of cap space at this point in time to get those kind of trades done. But, you know, I, I would think that when all is said and done and it's March 4th and we're looking back on the trade deadline that was, I, I would be surprised if, if we didn't see the Leafs add a somewhat impactful forward uh, between that and now. So if they're going to add, something has to go the other way, and, and Pontus Helmberg is skating as the second centerman uh, at, at morning skate today over Kerfoot. And I've kind of had Kerfoot circled. He's always been Sheldon Keefe's Swiss Army Knife guy, but you've kind of seen his uh, his usage diminish o- over the past few weeks uh, and his, his role kind of become more and more limited. Does, are you reading into that at all as, as writing on the wall? I wouldn't quite go that far, and I'll, I'll be, you know, direct. I, I haven't heard any, his name specifically in any tangible trade rumors from other teams, but you know, I, I do think that it's it's fair to to sort of align those those two things and wonder if the Leafs have to, you know, be be creating a little more cap space. That one way they might do that is is you know trade someone like Alex Kerfoot. Now I don't know if they'll be able to get that done. It's still a, a league where a lot of teams don't have a ton of cap room. 
you know, he is on expiring deal, so that that should make things a little bit cleaner, neater, easier if if, if they go that that route. But um, you know, I, I don't know that we can rule too much out definitively. Um, you know, at this stage, just because it's it's an important deadline for the Leafs, and you know, we haven't seen them in past deadlines. They've mostly just been adding. They haven't been subtracting, but. You know, I look at what, what Tampa did last year. They traded Matthew Joseph away as part of the deal to get Nick Paul. Um, you know, it, it could be that ultimately we look at, at, you know, what the Leafs have to do is subtract a little from the roster in order, order to get some, some improvement. Well, we did see a trade go down the other night between Colorado and San Jose. Does that mean that chatter finally starting to pick up around the league, CJ? I think it is a little bit. Um, you know, a number of teams have had pro scouting meetings this week or, or in, in the last week or so. And, you know, that's really the, the, the last time when, when you get all your scouts together, you, you sort of go over the players available, the intel that, that's out there about what might happen, what the needs are, and, and set, set a course. And then obviously the, the GM or the AGM go out and really start work on the phone with the, that plan in place. So, you know, I think that there's a little bit of action, but, you know, the truth of the matter is with the cap um, crunch, you know, I, I think a lot of the movement will happen in and around March 3rd uh, because every every day – further in the schedule is a little bit easier to accommodate new cap hits for these teams. CJ, you mentioned on insider trading this week, potentially a Connor Timmins extension in the works. Any idea what that might look like? I, I don't have terms for you. I, I just know that there's been some conversations there and some interest from the Leafs end. And you know, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah. Connor Timmins hasn't, um, you know, he's a restricted free agent. So if it doesn't end up happening now, it doesn't, it doesn't pretend bad things but by any stretch, but, you know, he hasn't established himself, you know, in his prior NHL stops. I think it's been a nice tour of duty for him so far in Toronto. He's been quite productive. Obviously, some ups and downs. I think he's still finding his way in the league to a certain extent. Um, but I don't think it's hard to imagine, you know, a 24-year-old, you know, with his physical profile, his, his skill set, the way he can move the puck, you know, you know, that growing into, over time, a larger role with the team. And, and I think if they can get some cost certainty, and get him locked in at a good number, you know, he might appreciate the security and, and obviously that will give the Leafs some clarity because, you know, if you look ahead to future years and I know we're, we're really dialed into this one. I mean, they don't, they don't have very many players signed. And so, yeah. you know, that's, that's a good thing and a bad thing. I think it's a good thing because it does leave a lot of room uh, to reimagine things if, if you want to go that route. But, you know, someone like Connor Timmons, I just think it would give them a little bit of certainty. You know, this is a summer where Justin Hall, for example, Another right-hand shot on the team is due to be a free agent. I mean, maybe you're looking at someone who could, you know, ultimately grow into and replace the minutes Hall has, you know, something along those lines. So, you know, we'll see how talks go. But, uh, you know, the fact that there, there's interest there, I just thought was interesting. We're chatting with Chris Johnson, or TSN Hockey Insider. Um, quick question for you, CJ. Who would you feel more comfortable with, Callie Yarmkrock in the top six or Mark Giordano in the top four come playoff time? Good question. Look at this. Thank you. Thank you. Very mm. much. <laughs> I, I'm inclined to go with Giordano. Um, the, the obvious is the obvious, right? He's the oldest skater in the league, and, and age, you know, can can be difficult on on players when when you're asking them to log a lot of minutes. But you know, that stretch we saw of him when the Leafs were really banged up on the blue line, I think it was 12 or 13 games in a row. He played, you know, 20 minutes plus, and and really was a top performer. I think the you know we've learned the way. He, He's kept himself in shape, and then he's just such a battler. I, I'd probably more be more comfortable going into a big game with him in the top four um, than, than Yarncroft in the top six. Now, that's that's not a knock on Yarncroft. I just think that you know the Leafs 
should be setting their sights a little bit higher. Um, you know, obviously injuries and things happen. Maybe maybe we're going to get both at some point, and I think it's certainly possible. But um, you know, if if they could, you know, have someone like Croke playing on uh, in the bottom six, I think they're just a deeper team. Um, you know, the Leafs haven't got a ton of offense from the bottom half of their lineup this season. I think they've been really good defensively there, uh, and obviously they have high end players. But you know, if they could find just a little bit more balance heading into the playoffs, I think that that would set them up for for success. Yeah, and, and I think that too. I think there's a nucleus there on the back end that that could work if Geo can play those top four minutes. I think uh, him and Lilligren are starting to really, you know, they're they're a nice formidable duo. We saw what they could do a year ago, and Lilligren's taken a step too. Like in my mind, I'm looking at the playoffs, and if you have a six man unit out on defense of you know uh, Riley Brody, and then you've got Geo Lilligren, and then Sandy and Hall. That's a pretty decent top six that you've got there, and that means that you can put your assets and, and the limited cap space up front and try to attack that top six. Right. I mean, there's sort of trade-offs in whatever you do, and, and I think, like, I understand why there's focus on trying to make a team perfect, but I think we have to remember there isn't perfect. I mean, you go back and look at the, the Penguins team that, that won the Stanley Cup the year Chris Letang was injured. I mean, they had a fairly no-name-ish blue line. You know, it was Ron Hainsey at the time, Trevor Daly, Brian Dumoulin, uh, Justin Schultz, and, and, you know, they got it done without what we would call a, you know, a traditional stud defenseman in, in the likeness of, say, Kale McCarr or Victor Hedman, you know, guys that have helped, you know, played big roles in their team's winning cups in recent years. But I think they're, they're, you can get it done by committee when you have something special on the other end. And, and that's, you know, the Leafs can roll out a pretty impressive group of offensive talent, um, you know, maybe not unmatched in the league, but, but there's not too many teams that, that we would put head-to-head with the Leafs forward group. And if they can find a way to get even stronger there, I, you know, I, that there's there's an argument, at least in my mind, to go with that. And um, you know, they're, they're sort of missing, I guess, a big physical defenseman in in some regards and in, in respects. And I know Jordy Ben's sort of a depth guy around this this lineup, but um, you know, I I'm of the school of thought that if they're playing offense, you know, that's that's could be the best defense. And you know, it's been really nice to see Lilligren's progression because there was. A lot of people wondering at, at prior tra- trade deadlines, is he someone you move? You know, he's yeah. a prospect that maybe hasn't panned out, all this and that. Well, you know, look look what's happened with time here. You know, he's, he's developed into a pretty important piece for the organization both this year and, and I think as we look ahead, you know, in the not-too-distant future, there's there's maybe a world without T.J. Brody on this back end. Uh, obviously, Mark Giordano's at the end of his career. As I mentioned, Justin Hall's on an expiring deal. I mean, they're going to they're gonna need uh, some internal replacements, and I could definitely see Lilligren becoming almost a core member of the team over time with, with the way his progression's gone. Yeah, I've been thoroughly impressed with, uh, with, with what he's been able to bring to the team. Um, I saw you were talking about Ivan Barbashev drawing some trade interest and mentioned a few contenders would be in on him. I'm curious if you think the Leafs might be one of those teams. Uh, MJ was on first up yesterday talking about how he might be a perfect trade target for the Leafs as one of those you know middle six type of wingers who's on a, a, a relatively cheap deal. Oh, yeah, nobody else brought it up the day before. A.B. brought it up the day before. We, we have to let the oh. record show that. So that, that is his ulterior motive. Barbashev, I brought up Bushnevich, the other St. Louis oh, Blues you're right, winger. You're right. I, yeah, I brought up Bushnevich, which I was you trying to have your back there, A.B. Too. I know, but I'm not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, I haven't heard the Leafs specifically attached to him. I know a few other top teams have had discussions with the Blues about what a deal might look like, what a fit could be. Um, but I, I, I'll buy it. Honestly, I mean, that, that you could make a case for it. I mean, the, the, the big thing with him is his cap, it's only $2.25 million on an expiring deal. And so, 
you know, that's that's a contract that, you know, would, I think has some appeal for teams in, in you know, a tight cap situation, which obviously most of the, the contenders in the league are, are in that camp. And so, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting few weeks for the, for the Blues. I mean, they're, they're not formally putting up the white flag just yet, but, you know, they lost again last night in Arizona. I believe it was Buffalo and Chicago that beat them in games earlier earlier in the week. And, you know, they got eight unrestricted free agents on their roster. And, you know, we, we've focused a lot on Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko. But, you know, they, they have a number of players, even a, a role player like Noel Achari, who I think, uh, you know, is likely to find a new home if they decide to, to become big sellers. And, and, you know, in some ways, if, if they're losing continues and they decide to, to act first, I mean, they, they might almost be market setters in some ways. Uh, that's Chris Johnson, our TSN Hockey Insider. Uh, a, a re-up happened yesterday out in Vancouver, CJ, while we were on the air, and we were both kind of befuddled by it, but the Vancouver Canucks opted to re-up on Kuzmenko. We knew that Bo Horvat was going to be on the move, but to you, does this just confirm that? Does it tell you anything else about the Canucks and their plan? Well, I mean, the, the official word out of the Canucks is that it doesn't 100% guarantee that Bo Horvat's on the move, but I think you know, we right. can surmise, you know, where things are at there. I mean, Jim Rutherford was pretty direct on the Horvat question when he had that press conference, you know, 10 days ago or whatever that was, you know, that they're, they're sort of in a pickle that, you know, they, they were trying to get him on, on what his value would have been based on his, his production to this point in his career. And then he's gone and had a career year. You know, I believe he's one goal away from setting his new career best already with, with a lot of runway left in the season. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of pressure now on, on maximizing what you can out of the Horvat. Um, you know, the, the, the asset. And, and, you know, it's not a slam dunk. I mean, obviously he's having a tremendous year. I'm certainly taking nothing away from the player right in the, the, the prime of his career. But, you know, it, there's only so many buyers in this market and only so many teams that are, you know, willing to, to maybe dig deep to, to make a trade. And, and so in some ways I think you could argue that Kuzmenko was as good of an asset for a trade as Horvat, it's only because, you know, he's, he's on entry-level contract this season, and, and it's much easier for teams to accommodate that um, in, in their cap picture. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's interesting times in Vancouver. Uh, it's, if there's a positive to that contract, I'd say the fact that it's only two years, kind of a prove-it deal yet again for Kuzmenko. I mean, obviously he gets a big raise at $5.5 but, you know, if something goes wrong, it's not on the books for too long. And I think you're going to have a pretty motivated player to want to prove that this the start to his career is no fluke that you know he can be an impactful forward you know he's he's really good down low big guy that digs the puck off the walls and you know I think benefited from playing with Elias Pettersson for much of the season production wise um, but you know the Canucks are under some heat at some point to trade someone they've, they've handed a lot of contracts out but they're in a cap bind and they haven't you know really done much to advance the program in the year since the new management staffs in place. Uh- We'll stick out west uh, with the Canadian teams. And, and to quote, actually, my good friend Julia here, who asked me this earlier today, what the I'm hell worried. is wrong with the Calgary Flames? Oh. <laughs> I, was, I always worry when you quote me, but that one is is very quotable. What is yeah. wrong with them, CJ? I mean, another loss last night to, to the Chicago Blackhawks, and we know that they're in the Bedard Bowl, and, and this is a team that's fighting for a playoff spot, not what you want to see if you're a Flame fan or Daryl Sutter. No, and, and, you know, I've talked to a lot of people around this situation because it, it, it almost doesn't add up, does it? Um, the, the, it's definitely a team that I don't think at any point in time, I mean, they, they've played some good games. They, they won a big game last Saturday afternoon against Tampa um, in their building, a really hotly contested game. You know, like, it's not as though they haven't had good performances, but I don't think at any point they've truly been in sync and had a run uh, where you're like, okay, this is a team to contend with. And, and you know, as much as, 
they, they had a crazy off season and, you know, turned over some impact players at the top of their roster and, you know, brought in some new ones. I think that there is a window of time there where you expect an adjustment period for players like Jonathan Huberdeau and even Nazem Kadri, um, you know, to, to get comfortable and to find the right fits. It just, it just feels like something's off. And, and certainly, you know, I think that some players, it's fair to say, are chafing under Daryl Sutter. Um, not the first time that's happened, by the way. He won two Stanley Cups in Los Angeles with a team that at one point locked him out of the dressing room because uh, they were so <laughs> tired of hearing from him, you know, those Kings teams in the early 2010s. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily the, the be-all and end-all if there's a bit of friction between the coaching staff and the players. I think that sometimes that's about pushing a group. But, you know, it just, it just doesn't seem to be clicking there. And, and I think it creates an interesting scenario for Brad Treliving, who, by the way, is in, in the last year of his deal, much like Kyle Dubas is here in Toronto. And just, you know, how do you approach a deadline? What do you do? Um, is this a group you should be doubling down on in terms of expending assets for expiring players or do you, do you end up punting? I mean, I don't think that's decided as we're having this conversation today, but it's something to keep an eye on in the next four and a half, five weeks leading into the trade deadline. Yeah, surprising stuff out in Calgary. Uh, unreal game last night between Boston and Tampa. Boston actually loses, which is rare and crazy these days. It which actually one crossed th- my mind to ask Sheldon Keefe today, like, were you surprised Boston lost last night? But it, I was worried he might take it the wrong way, so I didn't, I didn't pipe in with that one. Yeah, Sassy Sheldon was out on the loose today, so I don't even know if it was the day. But I, I feel like that would have been a good question with a with a peppy Sheldon mood. Um, which one of these teams, kind of around the Leafs on the murderers' row, that is the Eastern Conference, do you expect to be the most active around the trade deadline? Ooh. Well, boss, I don't. I don't expect it to be Boston. Their team right now. I mean, they could okay. get a major. They could get a major injury between now and the deadline, which changes their cap picture, but. As of today, they're they're the sort of team. Whatever they bring in money wise, they have to ship out. And so, yeah. you know, I think that I think that they'll make a trade, but I'm not sure that they're in the position to make an impactful one. You know, Tampa's in much the same spot. Um, so, I, I guess there, there's a silver lining in, in the Eastern Conference. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens in Buffalo if if the Sabers stay hot. And and you know, they've gotten right now to the fringes of the wild card position. They've got games in hand on Pittsburgh and Washington who are ahead of them, and they have a whack of cap space. I think that they can – someone told me they could literally trade for like half a team in terms of <laughs> add, adding the cap space onto their, onto their portfolio. And so if you know, they could be a dark horse, call it, that, that could make a big move, uh, especially I think if they you know, get into a playoff spot as, as we get closer to March 3rd and, and sort of compel Kevin Adams uh, to, to do something. You know, New Jersey is another sort of wild card for me. They, they've had – an unexpectedly strong season. They've, they've really hung around at the top of the division all year long. And, you know, they also have a bit of cap room to be able to, to, to take a big swing. I mean, the, the Rangers might be the other one I would highlight just because they own two first-round draft picks in this upcoming draft. And, you know, usually the contenders don't have that. And so I, I would argue they have one that they could probably spend in terms of going out and, and making a big deal. But, uh, you know, the, the truth is for the very top teams, you know, in this conference, very few of them have the, the, the cap space needed to, you know, make three huge moves at the deadline unless uh, something changes with, with injuries or LTI or whatever. Patty came to the Rangers, CJ? <laughs> you know, you could sell me on it. We, we got to see. Like, the one thing in Chicago, it, it sounds like there's no decisions coming in any way, shape, or form until after the All-Star break from Jonathan Taves or Patrick Kane about whether they'll waive a no-movement clause. You know, I, I could see a scenario where... You know, maybe they don't. Maybe maybe they don't want to move 
at the deadline and then potentially have to move again in the summer as free agents. I mean, it, it's, I don't, I don't almost want to speculate on that because the decision ultimately rests with the two individuals and I don't know what they're thinking. Um, other than, you know, I think that they're wrestling with the idea of it a little bit. Uh, you know, some, some parallels, I suppose, to what Claude Giroux went through last year in Philadelphia where he had control of his situation and he ultimately did move, but then had to move again in the summer and, and signing with Ottawa after the trade to Florida. So, you know, it's, it's, it can be a tumultuous period. Um, you know, the Rangers or even the Devils, you know, Timu Meyer might make sense. Right. Uh, there's lots of, there's lots of forwards out there, right? I mean, we have, we have some at least names or semi names at this deadline. I just, I don't know how it's all going to shake out with the cap ramifications and the like. It remains to be seen. My favorite Jonas Siegel line. Uh, C- CJ, just before we let you go. Also- Jonas Siegel. Yeah, he makes me laugh. We had him on yesterday. He's the best. Um, also happened revolving around that Tampa-Boston game last night. It was the first time that Pat Maroon and Jack Edwards saw one another after that whole hoopla earlier in the season. I was actually kind of impressed by Jack Edwards and the fact that he went down to the dressing room and, and had a chat with Pat Maroon, which is probably the only way to to kind of semi-rectify that situation. Have you, you've covered the game for a long time. Have you ever had to go down, swallow the pride, and, and have a chat with the player about something that got reported wrong or something that was reported right but, but ruffled feathers? It's happened a couple times, yeah. Um, not as publicly as Jax did. No. Um, because, you know, in this case, I saw Eric Erlinson, a reporter in Tampa, put out a photo of him. Oh, yeah. Over at yeah. the locker. Play by play. Yeah, I mean, look, at, it's it's sort of public game. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know that I would have been doing that in his shoes, but I, I, I can't say he did anything wrong. But, um, you know, because the whole thing was public, right? I mean, Pat Maroon came yeah. back and donated money to charity. Yeah, and let's let's call it as it is. Like that was a ridiculous comment to make on the broadcast. I think he should be apologizing for it. But you know, at times things are going to happen. Um, it, it could be an emotional game on both sides of the reporting side, and and yeah. obviously players and and management people, coaches are in the middle of competition, and, and things get said. Um, you know, but but I think over time, if you've been around long enough, you're, you're going to have a situation. I think it's best to to apologize if you feel you've done something wrong or if you you look back on something and have regret. And I'll, I'll give Edwards credit that that you know, that was the least he could do. And let's hope it's it's buried between those two from now on. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to happen to you and I at some point, Julia. We're, oh, we're yeah? pretty young into this thing. I think at some point, maybe more so me, because I shoot from the hip. I'll say something pretty dumb, and I'll have to answer to it. Uh, CJ, before we do let you go, if I'm not mistaken, if my math is correct, did you not have a big milestone this week? My man, you're you're my biggest supporter, I feel like. Uh, I, I did pass 1,000 days uh, on my run streak. Wow. Let's Congratulations, go. CJ. Did you celebrate, celebrate? Any celebrations? You have a nice bottle of wine, a nice cold <laughs> beer? Would, any celebrations? Do you know how I celebrated? I woke up the next day and ran for 1,000 in first day. So That's I the just, way to do it. it. Nice. Yeah, nothing, Very nothing nice. Crazy, but it's, you know, it's Friday, and I'm not at the game tonight, so maybe I'll, maybe I'll have a glass of wine while I'm watching it. Nice. Yeah, you deserve it, buddy. You deserve it. Appreciate the chat, as always. We'll catch up with you next week. All right. Look forward to it. Have a great weekend. You as well. There he goes. Chris Johnson, our marathon man, our TSN hockey insider. What a guy. thousand days. Holy. Incredible stuff. so long. That is so long. I know. I know. And, like, through these winters, these treacherous winters. The pandemic, through everything. It's crazy. What an accomplishment. All right. We got to fly. Producer staff's going to kill us if we go any longer We're in this in segment. We're in trouble. 
Uh, we got Mark Mathai coming up later on the show. Also, Michael Grabner, former Leaf, former teammate of John Tavares, who's playing in his 1,000th game this weekend. It's game 99, 9.99 tonight against the Senators, 1,000 on Sunday against the Capitals. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tashiri. It was an Leafs lunch here on TSN 1050. Lease Busters will get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy as pie, a piece of cake, avoid penalties, and early termination fees. Visit leasebusters.com. We'll come back in. Leaf sends tonight on home ice for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're wearing their flip side next generation jerseys to play the Ottawa Senators, the Justin Bieber themed ones, Julie Tashiri, Mike DiStefano with you for the next hour and a half. We're going to have Mark Mathon on a little bit later to tee that one up. Michael Grabner also, because on Saturday night versus the Washington Capitals, no, on Sunday, Sunday afternoon, afternoon. Yeah. yeah, no Weird. Saturday game this, this week. What are we going to do with ourselves? I don't know. We'll get to that later. But on Sunday afternoon, John Tavares will play in his thousandth game. So Grabner will join us a little bit to talk about the captain and, and his legacy. Uh, but for now, let's dig in a little bit more to uh, tonight's game versus the Senators. So in case you missed it off the top of the show, Austin Matthews, breaking news, out for minimum three weeks with a knee sprain that he apparently sustained in the win over the New York Rangers not earlier this week. No, not the best. No, not very right. fun at all. But also, of substance AB, Matt Murray's going to get the net back tonight to play against his old team in the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, we um, think, we hope. I still, uh, like, let's be honest. Until Put the hater right away. Until it happens, I, I'm going to, you know, we'll he, see. He's the projected starter tonight. Yeah, he is. And hopefully that all goes well because Samsonov is kind of uh, – they kind of been running with the net recently, and he'll get yeah. it back on Sunday versus his older team. Uh, but Sheldon Keefe was talking this morning about uh, the decision to go with Matt Murray. This is what he said about it. I just think we were probably probably pushing it a little bit with this with the workload for Samsonov. You know, it was a decision we were, were making on the about the other night, and ultimately just decided to, to keep him going uh, with Samsonov. That is so. As a result, then this is the game for Murray to get back in. So that's uh, that's really it. Obviously, we've been really comfortable with how Sam, Sammy's been playing, and because of that, it hasn't given Matt as much of an opportunity. But he's back in here tonight, and I'm looking forward to having him there. Yeah, I mean, yes. it's been ten. It's been ten games since we saw him, right? And when we saw him last, it, it didn't go well. That was a game against Florida. Gave up four four goals on eight shots. But that's 10 games that he's now had to work on whatever kinks that were in his game, right? Everyone talks about that glove hand, and he was. Yep. We saw him. We were there. What Wednesday? Yeah, we were there Wednesday uh, for practice at morning skate, and he was out there working on that glove. You know, he was with the with the coaches, and he was working on his glove. He's working on tracking the puck. We saw him with the goggles earlier this week, so he's trying to kind of reset his game a little bit. Get get some of those bad habits that were starting to creep in back out, eradicated, and he wants to get back to playing, you know, the, the, the top-level hockey that he was playing at when he came back from that injury originally. So hopefully yeah. uh, Matt Murray can, Murdoch can get in there. And, I mean, it, this also, like, this has to be important for him, right? This is against the yep. Ottawa Senators, a team that traded him away and said, look, we, we don't. And, and Barely traded salary. him, offloaded him. <laughs> yeah. from the hip. They, they literally hold salary here, and um, 
you know, said, we just, we're going to pay you not to play for us. We're going to pay you to play against us five, six times a year, which yeah. is insane. So, you know, Murray, I think this is one that uh, he wasn't able to, I was joking, obviously, wasn't able to get up for the game, had that tweak earlier in the season. But, you know, tonight looks like everything went good in morning skate, and he should be ready to go tonight. I think he'll be motivated. Yeah, I, I, I think so, too. And I thought you had a great note yesterday when you said that Matt Murray doesn't often skate when he's playing games. So the extended time away from playing in actual games has allowed him a lot of extra time to practice and then dial in on those technicalities. We saw the 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 blinder goggles on for a lot of the uh, for a little bit of practice time this week. So hopefully Matt Murray's had a good reset because Jonas pointed out yesterday, and I thought this was a good point too, that each time that Matt Murray has had a little bit of a questionable performance, he's yeah. generally bounced back very well. Yep. He's had an extended period of time now. Like he, he, before he, it was like a couple of games and he got back into it. So I think it'd be great for him if he can get back in and, and have another one of those, uh, bounce back performances as opposed to getting on a little bit of a schneid here. Well, do you worry about rust at all? Like ten games, <laughs> not for that guy. <laughs> ten days, no. Not for that guy. I don't think. Like he, he, he barely played at all last year, and he had a pretty hot start to the season. I, I think. I don't know. I, I know who pointed out to us that Matt Murray plays better like when he's busier between the pipes actually when he's facing shots. But I don't know if that same thing is true when it comes to actually like playing a ton of games. Yeah, I, I honestly I, think he looks better rested. Yeah, I mean, I hope that's the case because he's he'll be well rested tonight, right? Like, my professional well goaltending appearance, my, uh, yeah. opinion rather. I, I very admittedly, <laughs> I, I I don't love to evaluate goaltenders because I've never played the position. And I have a hard ah. time with it. But uh, Matt Murray, no one knows how to evaluate goaltenders. No, I not know. Even, not even the goalie experts know what they're talking about. I mean, how many first-round goaltenders have we seen that just don't pan out? You're right. So I don't. I don't think uh, we we need to be that hard on ourselves. <laughs> no one knows what's going on with the Kendies. They're a weird breed. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, but in in the absence of Austin Matthews, it's actually Pontus Holmberg. That's two C Pontus Holmberg to you, yep. baby. That slides in the middle there. What do you think of that? I, I mean, I think it's notable. Like, we, we chatted about this earlier this week, and, and, you know, you asked CJ if you thought that the diminished role for Kerfoot had any meaning to it. And, and I mean, he was a little noncommittal on it, but I think it does. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm with you here where this is typically the spot where Kerfoot's the one who moves up. We saw Nylander earlier this season get an opportunity, but I don't think it went very well, so I think he wanted him to, to keep him on the wing. Um, but it, they elected to go with Pontus Holmberg to move him up the lineup as opposed to Alex Kerfoot. And the only reason why you do that, in my opinion, and again, what the heck do I know, is if you don't think Alex Kerfoot is, is going to be here in the playoffs, if you do have an injury to one of these guys and you need that spot filled, if they don't look at Kerfoot as that guy and they say Holmberg probably will be that player, let's see, give him a chance, see what he looks like. I mean, doesn't that tell you something that – I think Kerfoot so too. Might not yeah. Be here for very long. Yeah, that, that that's uh, that's the vibe that I'm picking up. I'm I'm seeing the writing on the wall, but I understand uh, CJ not wanting to dive into that completely. But we've seen Sheldon Keefe just kind of totally change his deployment of of Alex Kerfoot. It used to be anything, any spot that needed somebody to keep it warm, Alex Kerfoot would go there. It's just not the case anymore. No, unless and, and you think, think they're liking him on that fourth line. Well, that's a lot of money to be paying your fourth line center. Right. A lot of money to be paying that. And when you have other needs around the roster, like you can yeah. use that cap space a lot better. You know, I, and I'm pretty sure, I'm just going to double check here, 
Like, I'm pretty sure Alex Kerfoot, a majority of his money this year was bonus-based, which means there's not a whole lot of cash that's associated to Alex Kerfoot. So although it's a $3.5 million cap hit, I don't think the cash is a whole lot. Yeah, so the signing right. bonus, like his base salary this season was 750000 which would mean if they trade him now, it's prorated for how many other how many days are left in the year, be nearly half that, like maybe four or five hundred thousand. So, I mean, that might be attractive to a team that I guess it can take on cap space, but also just doesn't want to pay a lot of money. So, if you're talking about like, let's just throw out a team that has some cap space, and he does have a limited no trade clause, which makes it a little bit difficult. I think it's a 10 team no trade. But just for, for funsies, like Jake McCabe is a name that's been brought up a little bit yeah. uh, in the market as a defenseman for Chicago. If you want to throw him into that deal just so you can make the money work, that might be attractive to Chicago because you don't have to actually pay the full $3.5 million cap hit. You're only paying a fraction of it because most of it was signing bonus-based. But it allows the Leafs to get that cap off the books so they can make upgrades and bring in some other players. Now, I don't know if that's the fit. Obviously, I'm just using two random, a random person on a random team. But that would be the thought process as to why maybe you know the Leafs would, would be willing to move Alex Kerfoot for those reasons and why a team would be accepting of taking on that contract. Okay. Okay. I, I'm into it. Yeah. I'm seeing the writing on the wall, too, AB, yeah. for our buddy yeah. Kerf. For our buddy Kerf. The thing is, though, like if you look at the – what do we got here? The Leafs – record with and without Austin Matthews. They got a 6.53 win percentage. Yeah, not bad. Austin Matthews in the lineup. That one game against Detroit, I remember we were hyping it up and then they were not very good without him. No, <laughs> so, that was a stinker. Yeah. That was a stinker. That was definitely a stinker, but you know, we've seen in the past, I think I remember that trip into Edmonton during the bubble year where it seemed like the team really kind of like banded together and it was uh, uh it was, you know, not necessarily you know, because you can't replace an Austin Matthews, so everyone has to up their level of game. And when everybody ups your level, obviously it's going to make you a better team. And that seems to be what happens a lot when Matthews is out of the lineup, uh, that Detroit game notwithstanding. Uh, but yeah. we'll see. It's it's three weeks minimum that this guy's out of the lineup, which is a pretty long time. I'm not sure if we've seen him out for you know an extended period of time like that. Typically, it's you know a few games here and there, as opposed to. A very long period, so we'll see how they do. Tonight's first test, I guess, will be against the uh, the Ottawa Senators. Those pesky Sens, as the Battle of Ontario ignites tonight, will be joined by uh, a guy who knows all about the Battle of Ontario. Mark Mathot, uh took part in many of those when he was uh, a former former Ottawa Senator. Michael Grabner, I'm sure, took part in a couple as he was a Maple Leaf yeah. thing, from you know the least perspective. So we could chat about those with uh, those guys who will be joining us in the next hour. But on the other side. We got some awards to give away, JT. We got the Leafies coming up next here on Leafs Lunch. Gameplay, weekday afternoons from 2 till 4 on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. People seem to think that they only deal with super expensive luxury properties. Well, I can tell you from talking to Frank myself that they know how important a home is for everyone. Whether it's helping families find a place to rent, buy their first home, upgrade or downsize, even purchasing an investment property, they're happy to help at any price point or situation. Your home is your biggest asset, and Frank Leo & Associates will make it their biggest priority with their multi-million dollar marketing system. 
Contact Frank Leo and Associates, the number one REMAX team in Toronto and the GTA. Call 416-917-5466. That's 416-917-LION. Or go to GetLeo.com. That's GetLeo.com. And start packing with confidence with the only real estate agent I would call if I needed to sell my home. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Honor. Prestige. A celebration of... The waitress tripped on the court. Presenting the Leafies. A celebration of Leafness. What am I going to do with the award? Nothing. That's the least of my concerns right now. On TSN 1050, the Leafs live here. Okay, it's time for the Leafies. Let's hand out some awards this week, A.B., to the players who we've thought have been the best Leafies on this calendar week. And Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion for your chance to win a $100 Vanilla Visa prepaid card. Text the keyword LUNCH and your name to 105050. Standard text message rates apply okay and let's get it started with the dougie ab i feel like from now on whenever we do the dougie we got to play the song teach me how to dougie teach you just just yeah. a little bit a little bit to set the mood yeah to set the mood yeah and uh we're giving it to or i'm giving it to uh to john Tavares this week i think he's been unbelievable the captain as he nears a thousand games like the fact that he's still playing at this high level with this much consistency is really impressive, but you look at the second period in particular in the game on Monday night against the Islanders. Honestly, one of the probably his best game of the season, his best period that we've seen maybe since the first year he was in Toronto. He was yeah. he was unbelievable what he was able to do in that game. Had a couple of points and then uh, ended up with another goal as well later in the week or earlier in the week. So John Tavares to me is a guy who's winning a lot of board battles. He he's just really leading on the ice. And I think he's been arguably the, the team's best player. He doesn't have the most points, but he's been to me maybe the best all around player for uh, for Toronto this week. So I'm gonna he, give it to the captain. Yeah, we have to give Nylander some love here too. He had six points this week. Um so Austin Matthews is not going to the All-Star game, and we all sat there as it was announced, and we thought, oh, my gosh, maybe this is Willie's music. Uh, it is not. Barkov nope. is going to replace Austin Matthews at the All-Star game. So some love to Willie Nylander, who I knew, know probably <laughs> is okay with the fact that he gets to go on vacay for a week, but still think he's deserving of being there. And then Samsonov, some love as well. Yeah, yeah you got to have the captain sense, of the Florida though. Panthers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he should have been there in the first place. So we'll all ride about that another day. We'll all meet on the weekend and ride about that. But for now, we'll get to the Sundin, player who made a game-changing dynamic play. Play of the week, AB. Uh, it's, it's the Marner OT winner. We got, I got the, fr- I got the photo unreal. in a frame already, putting it up on my wall. Because it was unbelievable. Like, just an incredible play to end it on, you know, one of the best goaltenders in the in the world. I mean, it was just such a great play. It was Mitch Marn or like it was just nice. unbelievable. So pretty to watch. So yeah, we're we're gonna go with the Mitch Marner overtime winner as the best play of the week for sure. Oh, the just okay player, the Carlisle, the Rhymer. You know what? This week, uh, even though he had a better week this week, it's actually Morgan Riley. We're we're gonna hand this one out to. You. We think he's been. He definitely had a better week than the first week he was back from injury. Ab comfortable saying that? Much better this week than last. 
Yeah, well, yeah, I would think. Well, actually, I think he was better last week. To be honest, the first couple games with with Timmy Lillard, right. but uh, yeah, I, I think Morgan Riley. It was a bit of a so-so week. I think that first period they were outshot or outchanced. No, what was it the stat like twenty to one? Him and Lilligren were out on the ice for um, like their Corsi numbers. Like it was insane. <laughs> uh, it was it was it wasn't great. A couple. Listen, I draw the line at Corsi. I draw the line at Corsi. Corsi's one of my least. Corsi. I don't know why, but Corsi is like my least favorite stat. It's just, it's just, I don't know why. Like, I, I just it's find just Corsi attempts. to be the that, one. Shot attempts was the word I was looking for. Shot okay, attempts cool. were like shot attempts we could ride with. Corsi canceled. Shot attempts we ride with. It's the exact same stat. <laughs> it's just the way that it's called Corsi. It's the way. It's like the concept of big braining something that doesn't need to be big brained. That bothers Fair me. Enough. That's Fair what enough. it is. Using an, an elaborate word for no reason. Exactly. That's what it yeah. is. Because like lots of it, lots of the time, analytics get turned into soup sa- word salad when word salad and number salad when there's actually like a good way of <laughs> just putting them into context. The vibe, the underrated player of the week. Ah, on the other side of things, on the blue line, AB. Yeah, I mean, I think we have to give it to Timmy Lilligren. I, I, like, is he underrated? I, I, like, maybe as a whole he might be underrated, but, I mean, he had a great week this week. I, I mean, you look at the game against uh, New York, they, they don't pick up the two points if Timmy Lills doesn't, you know, sneak down there and score to tie this game to bring it to overtime to allow Mitch Marner to do his magic. And I thought that he's just played well overall. Like, you know, in his own end, he's doing a good job, um, you know, winning puck battles. He's doing a good job not allowing guys to, you know, do – he's not giving him space. His gapping has been really good. I just think Timothy yeah. Lilligren is a guy who's – the details in his game just continue to improve and improve. And he's becoming a – as – you know, CJ mentioned, like, might become a, a focal part of this team long term. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Chris Johnson used the word part of the core going forward, and, and yeah. I, the, more, the better he plays, the more I can see it happening, the more he establishes himself as a really important piece of that decor back there. Absolutely. All right, coming up in hour two of Leafs Launch, Michael Grabner will join us, former Leaf, former teammate of John Tavares, as will Mark Mathot. A uh, former NHLer with the Ottawa. Tweet Senators us your chirps for Mark Mathot. We will share them with him once he joins us on the air. Tweet us, text us your chirps for for Meth, and we'll share them with him, with him once yeah. he once he arrives. Yeah, he's a big troll. He's a big Leafs troll, big time Leafs troll. We'll definitely have to to talk about that when he joins us in about twenty five minutes or so. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Teixeira. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050.